Jake Warner was at the control. So sit back, relax, and check this drone out right here. Jake! Yo! Okay, here we go. So good to be back. This podcast is for the people. No, nobody knows who I am. Jake! Live from the Big Brother Bungalow in Southern California. Ready to talk a bunch of nonsense with you. I can't stand them. It's the Big Brother Jake Podcast. Yo, what's good, y'all? It's the Big Brother Jake Podcast. I am your host, Big Brother Jake, a.k.a. Jake Warner. My government name. Welcome to the show. You can listen to the show on SoundCloud.com slash The Big Brother Jake Podcast. You can also go to iTunes or Google Play or Spotify or TuneIn or iHeartRadio. Type in the keyword search The Big Brother Jake Podcast and boom, you're in there. So, I don't want to delay anything. Uh, We have two podcasts this week. Two podcasts. And uh, this was a lot of fun putting this one together. Uh, I have a lot of uh, sports themed interviews for this particular episode um and and there's some interesting human interest stories as well so i don't want that to get lost in the sauce but uh next segment clipper nation stand up your man from the clipper radio network the play-by-play the voice of the los angeles clippers for radio noah eagle joins the big brother jake podcast and after that my man that keeps it hype for each and every inning at Dodger Stadium, my man DJ Severe, Dodgers official DJ, talks about how he got the job and all the perks and all the fun things he gets to do at Dodger Stadium. I'm jealous. Uh, I used to be able to do that too. That's in the third segment. Fourth segment, for all you uh, Los Angelinos out there and Southern California uh, listeners, my man from KABC7, my man Rob Fukuzaki, Proud Leo alumni, University of Laverne. He joins the program. And to close out the show, my man, now he has one hell of a story to tell. He's the first African-American executive producer of the Rams Radio Network. He also produces uh, for the Opinionated 7-Footer show on CBS Sports. And he was in Almost Famous and the show Moesha. And we'll talk about that. My man Mike Pearson, a.k.a. Ty Eli. And uh, he will close out the show as well. So we have action-packed show of a lot of interviews, and I don't want to hold up anything. So let's get to my man Noah Eagle right now. You're listening to the Big Brother Jake Podcast. Here we go, back on the Big Brother Jake Podcast. Yes, I know a lot of people give me a lot of crap because I'm a Laker fan. But I know where my bread is buttered, okay? I know who pays them che- you know, who pays me, where, where them checks come from. And Cooper Nation, you're going to be excited. You're going to be happy because on the line with me is my man, Noah Eagle, play-by-play voice of the Clippers. What's going on, Noah? Hey, well, here's the thing, Big Brother Jake, because I'm not, I'm not calling you by your government name the entire time. <laughs> My man, uh, this is this is the thing. I, I still believe you're a closet Clipper fan. I think deep down now, we we have converted you to a closet Clipper fan at this point. You, <laughs> I'll say this, man. Look, I, I, again, I, I love Mr. Bomber. I love everybody I work with. And I have a great time, and yes, I want them to win. Obviously, I mean. <laughs> but but you know what? I, you guys are you guys are rubbing off on me a lot. 
<laughs> I'll say that much. Yeah, that's, that's a high compliment. I'm going to take it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to openly cheer for the Lakers when, you know, the Clippers are playing them. Obviously, I just want L.A. to win. But, yeah. <laughs> but yes, I always want the Clippers to win. And, and, and watching this team night in, night out, it's exciting to watch. You know, it, it, there's a bright future for this club. And, you know, how, how has it been for you, your first year, doing the Clippers? You know, you come out to California, fresh out of Syracuse. The Orange Bin, what up, what up? And um, can we still call them that now? I mean, you know, everything's I don't know. I think <laughs> now they prefer just Orange. Orange, like, yes. Okay. It's like it, I, I've never really understood that fully of right. just if you're going to go for a change, just do a full change. Right. Like, now your team mascot is literally an Orange. Right, just a piece of fruit just running around. <laughs> Which is kind of cool. Otto the Orange, he's kind of a legendary mascot. So Absolutely. So it, it's not – it's not all bad. Otto is uh, well-known around, around the country. They have so that's, Otto. That's a good part. Yes, Otto, Mello, and you. I mean, can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah. What a trio. <laughs> so you, you're fresh out of Syracuse. You come to Los Angeles. Become a Clipper play-by-play broadcaster. How is this year? And that's been a one hell of a crazy year with Rona and everything. Tell me how your experience has gone as you know, with your first year as the Clipper play-by-play announcer. It's been a whirlwind, man. It really has. I mean, the the whole process of me getting the job was crazy enough. But once I did get it, it was obviously a complete change in my life because I moved from I'm from New Jersey. I grew up in the on the East Coast my entire 22 years up to that point, <laughs> and so I was I was just an East Coast guy. I always had pictured myself being a New Yorker after. I graduated. I grew up only about 20 minutes outside of New York City. I was mm-hmm. there all the time when I was younger. And so like my parents lived there when they were out of college. And me and my sister, I think both of us just kind of pictured us doing the same thing. And my parents always felt like that was going to happen. It was destiny that they would be able to like drive in and have lunch with me. Right. And out of nowhere, I get this call <laughs> that, hey, we want you to move across the country. And their commute got a lot tougher if they want to come have a meal with me. And so um, I, I make the move, but it's been great. It, the organization has welcomed me with open arms. Clipper Nation has welcomed me with open arms. Yes. And I think the easiest part of the transition is people like you or the people that have made my life easier. Oh, thanks, man. For you, you know, every time I get to sit down, you, Adam, Brian, or whoever is doing stats that day, like you guys make the, the broadcast fun, which makes my job easier to do. Um, and it's the same thing with, with Brian Seaman and, and everybody else yes. who has helped along the way. It, they've just made the transition a lot easier than it probably could have been. And so I'm really thankful for that. But this year has been, I'd say, I, I tell most people this, I think it's probably been the most tumultuous year <laughs> in sports and yes. definitely in NBA history. Absolutely. Considering all the factors, if you go all the way back to the start of the season with China and then, of course, yeah. the tragic day of, of Kobe and, and company like that. Yeah. That whole thing was crazy. And the, to think that we were on the air that night, we were in, in Orlando when that happened. Yeah. I was doing both the, the TV and the radio stuff. And Brian was with us and, and the czar, Mike Fratello. It was just one of those days that you'll never forget. Um, and so I thought to myself, man, like if I can do that, which I did, I got through it and made it happen without like completely breaking down, which yeah. I think at the time I was, I wanted to, I think everybody wanted to, um, I, I thought to myself, all right, if I can do that, I can do anything in this business. Like that's the rest is going to just be icing at this point. Like if that's the, this is my first year and I can get through that. I'm good. 
Right. And then March comes and the league gets <laughs> shut down. Oh. And I'm like, man, what is going on? So I don't know if I'm a bad luck charm for the NBA. Oh, no, no. I think it's me. A... <laughs> you think it's you? I think it's me. I don't know. I don't know, man. But it's been good. It, it really has. And obviously the fact that they have a chance to, to do something special and make history makes it even that much more special. See, and, 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 and that's the thing. You know, I was in Maui when we got the news of Kobe. And I, I remember the USA Today that came to my room. It had the death of Kobe, and then in a little blurb, it was the coronavirus has hit the United States. You know, mm. so at that point, it wasn't even something that was thought of like to be catastrophic like it is now or has been. But that's the thing, you know. And I remember we talked um, as soon as the whole Kobe thing happened. We were texting back and forth, and yeah. nobody wanted to do that game. No, nobody. I, I I was like, I don't want to get on that plane and go back there and do that game. It, it would have been too hard just as a Kobe fan, a basketball fan, you being a, a huge basketball fan, it would have been very hard. But the news hit and everybody was just devastated. I, I, I'll never forget that day and just conversing with you. I, I remember it's clear as day. It's just a sad event, man. Oh, yeah. And, and like you felt it in the city. And obviously I'm new oh, to the yeah. city. Uh, but you grew up in the in the California area mm-hmm. your whole life, yes. so you're a West Coast guy, yes, and, and it just hits that much harder um, in in that case. But I think I got back here, and the team got back here, and for the next like three weeks, you could just feel it in the air, and, yes. and it, it really hasn't fully gone away, and no. I don't think it ever will, just because of the circumstance and everything that surrounds it. But yeah, there was there was a different aura around the city of Los Angeles and everywhere I turned it seemed like I saw something to remind me of yeah. it. It was it was crazy. But we got through together, all of us yes, we collectively. Uh, the, the city of Los Angeles, the country of America, really the world who all mourn together and I think that that's been the coolest thing to come of it is it's brought so many different types of people together as they've shared this common uh, I guess feeling towards uh, love for for what this man did for them. So that's been really cool. Yeah, absolutely. You're listening to Noah Eagle, play-by-play voice of the Clippers on the Big Brother Jake podcast. Noah, fast forward now. We we finally get basketball back. <laughs> finally get basketball back. And the, the, the oh, almost messed up there. The Clippers. <laughs> we don't want to talk about the Lakers right now. That's for somebody else. No, no, no. no. It, it's cool. <laughs> we can talk about whoever. It, it's your podcast. No, you well, make I, the rules. I want, but I want to talk about the Clippers because that's why I have okay. you on. Okay. Without Patrick Beverly, mm. the Clippers still win in six, mm. which they played very well. And now, as we're recording this, we're waiting for their next opponent. Who and this will air later today on Tuesday. Who do you feel is the better matchup for the Clippers? Well, let me first start by saying this: the Clippers did win in six. That series was amazing, back and forth. Great series, and yes. I don't want to overlook Doncic, that. Yes. Oh my. Yeah, God. Luka Doncic has pretty much solidified himself as a top five player in the NBA, which is crazy to think about for a twenty-one year old. Yes, He's just out of this world good. Uh, but the fact that the Clippers only had Patrick Beverly for game one of that series, and then Chris Stapps Porzingis missed the last three, so yeah. it goes both ways. Right. So I, I feel like the Clippers had chances to win it in five, and potentially, I mean, obviously, if Luka doesn't hit that crazy step-back <laughs> oh, yeah. buzzer beater, yeah. then the Clippers probably win in five. I agree. They had a chance to even sweep if you really go back and look at game two as well. They had their opportunities. Yes. And so, But it goes the other way, where Dallas had chances to win games that they they dropped early in the series. I think the Clippers would have won regardless, but it, to your point, it was a lot of fun, and now they move on and wait for 
uh, their next opponent, which I don't know if I have an answer between the two. Both of them <laughs> pose a, a number of issues. Denver obviously has the firepower, oh. and Jamal Murray has become a full-fledged superstar in these playoffs. The dude is absolutely ridiculous yes. on the offensive end. I think that the one thing Denver doesn't have that Utah does is uh, defense, especially rim protection. And mm-hmm. Nikola Jokic is as skilled of an offensive center as we've seen in a long time. But on the defensive end, especially in the playoffs, he has been somewhat of a liability in this first-round series. Yes. I think you can attack that. With that being said, Denver has way more depth on their roster than Utah does, especially without Boyan Bogdanovich for the Jazz, yeah. who was out for the year with an injury, and he won't be playing regardless if they advance. So you're looking at maybe a seven at most man rotation for Utah mm-hmm. versus a nine, 10, 11 man rotation for Denver. So if you're the Clippers, do you say, well, they're playing seven games? Do we want the shorter rotation with the better defense, or do we want the larger rotation? with a, an explosive offense. I don't think that either one is, is a necessarily exciting matchup if you're the opponent. You're you're not excited to have to go and match up with Donovan Mitchell or Jamal right. Murray. You're not excited to have to go challenge Rudy Gobert or Nikola Jokic. So I just think that for the Clippers, it, it goes back to what Jerry West told me before the playoffs started, and I think this was perfectly said. Mm-hmm. He said that it's less about who we're playing and it's more about how we're playing. If the Clippers take care of themselves, that's all that should matter. And I think that any team that has title aspirations, you know going in, you're going to have to play good teams on the other side. And if you know that, then you just go and take care of your own business and let the cards fall as they will. Absolutely. You're listening to Noah Eagle, play-by-play voice of the Los Angeles Clippers on the Big Brother Jake podcast. Let's take it to the Eastern Conference. Mm. You know, a lot of people slept on Miami. And, I, and, and and Toronto, you know, they're doing their thing. Who do you think out of the East is going to win it to go to the finals? I still would put my money on Milwaukee, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Okay, you, you got some, you got some solid knowledge, Brock. <laughs> don't don't act like you're just hiding it behind there. I know you got your I, knowledge ready. I just mix audio, um, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I would say this. I'll say this, Jake. I think. I still, I'd still take Milwaukee because they have Giannis and they've got the shooters, they've got the infrastructure, and they've done it for two years now. Like they've proven it over a course of time. Now that game one was not pretty in their favor, and Giannis all, going yeah. four, Giannis going four for twelve at the line is mm. like they can't win if that's going to nope. happen, in my opinion. So I don't think it will. And that he's someone that takes pride in in his profession and and how he is perceived. Right. I think that he will improve. We saw Luca have a couple of of really struggle type games at the free throw line in that first round series, but he cleaned it up as it went through. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe he would miss a few here and there, but overall, if he was taken anywhere from twelve to fourteen, he was probably going to make at least nine to ten. And I think Giannis will start to do the same. Uh, and I think the other thing is over the course of a seven game series, this is why the best teams generally do win in the NBA. When you have to go and win four out of seven times over the course of seven games, these teams become so familiar with each other that the team that has the best player or group of players generally is the team that will win. Now there are exceptions. I look at 2011 with Dirk and the Mavs, right? Dirk and the Mavs, like Dirk was great. He was a top 10 player in the league, but he's going up against LeBron and the heat. They have the better players, the better roster, but, Rick Carlisle coached the better series and the Mavericks executed at a higher level. And you might be able to say that the Heat could do that and get past Milwaukee. I just I wouldn't 
banked on it. I wouldn't put money on it because Milwaukee is the more talented, higher power team. And if they start to execute, they're going to be able to get through this series. I think they'd be able to get through the next series because I do think it would, even if it's Boston, let's say, yes. Boston doesn't have enough rim protection, in I my agree. opinion, to, I agree. to keep Giannis neutralized. They don't have the bodies to throw at them. And then uh, Toronto does, but do they have the firepower on the other end? So I, I think Milwaukee is the most complete team in the East, and there's a reason that they were the heavy favorites going into the playoffs. Absolutely. You know what? I, I have no analysis because everything you said I agree with 100%. I mean, <laughs> the, heat, the Heat can, you know, they're going to stir it up because – they have that uh, capability, but I don't think – I just think Milwaukee's way too stacked. They have great shooters. They have rim protection. I, I, I think Milwaukee's going to go all the way to the finals. I, I know we can't really talk about, you know, or say or predict things but because of who we work for. But I do think a championship does go through Los Angeles. I will say that. I would agree. <laughs> I would agree, and I think that's what – we've talked about it literally from day one this year. Yeah. Okay. We've been saying it every time we've gotten to Staples Center. Every like, night, yep. Man, this, this just, it just feels like it's leading this way, and, oh, man, we hope that this is – like, we just all want this, not just the city, but the entire basketball NBA yes. fan base wants yes. an all-LA Western Conference Finals, and we're one step closer. We are. I, I've always wanted to see the hallway series. I wanted to be yeah. there for the hallway series. But. I know. That's the only downside. <laughs> oh. The only downside was because we, we obviously, when we were talking about it this year, we, yeah. we all pictured it to be at Staples Center. Yes. And it would have been so – because we were there for, well, three games this year that they played at Staples yes. Center. And all three games, at least in my opinion, because people ask me, what's the best game you called so far? Say it's, I don't know if they're the necessarily the best games in terms of the quality of the game mm-hmm. compared to others, but – all three games between the Lakers and Clippers, there's just a different energy in oh, there. Oh, yeah. You feel it when you get you in there. Absolutely. And so, and so if there was a playoff series, because there hasn't been in the history of both franchises, they've never gone head-to-head in the postseason. Mm-hmm. If there was at Staples Center, I just feel like you take that somehow to another level, it would oh, have been incredible. That would have been amazing to watch. We're wrapping it up here with Noah Eagle, play-by-play voice of the Los Angeles Clippers on the Big Brother Jake podcast. Noah, I'm going to ask you a favor. I'm asking you a huge favor, okay? Okay, okay. Here's the thing. I, I, I'm I not one to predict, and I'm not one to, you know, jinx anything. But say, perhaps, the team we work for mm. gets to the finals, all right? <laughs> Just saying. And they possibly win it all. You're going to help the homie get on the double-decker bus or what, man? I'm trying to be a part of the parade. <laughs> I want to be a part of something, man. I know you got some. We got to, well, we got to, we got to secure a parade first. <laughs> I think uh, we have no idea what the what the celebration is going to look like. I that know. happen on either side. That's the problem. And it's I've heard so many jokes, so oh, many people oh, saying yeah. to me, "It would be the most Clippers thing ever <laughs> to win with yes. no fans present and then not even be able to celebrate their title." Yeah, and I'm like, you know what? I've heard those same Doesn't things. matter. Yep. Let's take the ring. Yep. But it's just, yeah, I, who knows? I, I know that the Clippers would try to do something. Oh, yeah. And if nothing else, they're going to make it like a virtual fan experience. But the most important part of all of that is getting there and getting the win and securing that first title in franchise history, which when people ask me, are you worried about it? I say not really because they have a guy named Kawhi Leonard yes. who just is 
literally you've seen him now in person all oh, year. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's different when you see that dude in person. Oh, like he goodness. can control the game anytime he wants to. Yeah. It's absurd. There were a couple of times this year I think we just looked at each other speechless. Which <laughs> yes. which for my job is probably <laughs> right. not the ideal state to be in. But you know, I figured it out and I, I it's crazy. Jaw dropping plays. Yes. His just it's just he just has a dominant stranglehold on any game he wants to and it's amazing. Absolutely, and, and the best part about it is his emotion doesn't change one way or the other. You know, nope. you, you don't know if he lost by 20 or won by 30, same demeanor, but when he's on the court, and, and what I love about Kawhi's game that you don't see in today's NBA is his mid-range game. I was, yep. I mean, they called me five fouls when I played in high school because I couldn't ball, <laughs> so I fouled the best player on the other team, but I always prided, you know, I took pride in my mid-range jumper even though you can put, barely put a credit card under my, my feet when I do my jumper. <laughs> but watching Kawhi hit that mid-range and watching Lou Williams do like the floater, but I'm, you know, Kawhi, the, the mid-range game is something that you don't see anymore, and that's what's going to help them get over the top, in my opinion. Yeah, in the playoffs, it's so important. And now that I know this information, now I think I'm going to have to change their name to Big from. Big bro Jake to big bro fouls. <laughs> I, I think big bro five. I don't know. I'll have yeah. to figure out which one sounds better. I, I retired the name five fouls when I walked off the court after my sophomore year because I, I wasn't good enough to make any more squads. You know, I so. don't know, man. That that, that <laughs> position, the, the fouler, is a huge, huge key to a, a good championship team. You need someone who can sacrifice themselves for the betterment of the roster. I, I, I was never afraid. I, I would take a charge. I would foul somebody. I would never do anyone dirty, but you're not going to score. You're not no, going to score. No, need, but you need the guy who's willing to just go and basically do whatever it takes to win, whether it be pants somebody on the other team, <laughs> oh, whether it be that. somehow <laughs> tamper with the referees. Like, whatever it happens, if you're that guy, that's an invaluable piece to the team. See, you know what? You just brought up my value. Now, you know, I, I felt bad about my very short-lived high school and middle school career, and you just made me feel better about it, man. See, that's you why. See, this is this is this is what we do. You know, absolutely. you call yourself what a fake fake philosopher. Fake philosopher, yes. I, I feel like that now we're breaking through into real philosophy. <laughs> that's a high honor coming from you, <laughs> but Noah, listen, <laughs> it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for joining the podcast and. I can't wait till I could sit next to you and unwrap some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches from the press room, <laughs> and, and, you know, and we do our pregame, you know, shake that we always do. Like, I, I really miss being around you and Adam and, and, and throwing paper spitballs at Brian Seaman below us while he's doing TV. <laughs> Oops, I gave myself away. But I, I love all that stuff, and I can't wait till we're all together again. And, and I promise you this. When everything gets better, and it's on record now, when everything starts opening up, my treat, I'm taking everybody out for some good Mexican food. Oh, well, I'm not going to say no to that. <laughs> and I do think that we're going to have to get everybody. I know that we've talked about this. But, yes, yes when, when things are open, we're going to get the gang together, and that includes Adam and Colin and yes. uh, Robin and Vincent and whoever else we can get to, everybody. to join us. Yeah, everybody should be in there. Seriously, man, I, I, I you can't explain how much i miss the feeling of having us all together in that row it's family it's family 100 percent, yeah 100 and it just i'm glad to hear everything's going well on your end and uh you're keeping busy which is good but yes, no it, it, it's not the same <laughs> trust me it's not the same driving to and from oh, yeah. when i know that i don't have i don't have the gang with me i don't have anything uh around me so it's definitely different but i will say i caved 
and bought some of the uncrustable PB&Js, and I had two <laughs> before this call. So I'm all jacked up on peanut butter and jelly. Uh, you keep the ritual going. As long as Brian, Brian Seaman doesn't smell the peanut butter, you're all right, my man. <laughs> I mean, he spe- he smells it. Like I, You know, Brian and I live somewhat close to each other, yes. so I, I might have gotten a text during this call from him saying, you better stop eating that peanut butter and jelly because I can smell it from my house. He hates smells, man. <laughs> I, it's crazy. What? Who? Who hates the smell of peanut butter that much that isn't allergic? It's not like he's allergic. No. It'd be one thing. It'd be one thing. Like my sister's allergic to peanut butter. Uh-huh. It'd be one thing if he said, "Like, hey, you can't have that that close to me." But he just says, "I just don't like it." I've never heard that before. <laughs> Exactly, it's crazy. But you know, that's that's him. He hates smells. Like you should leave him some tuna one day and see how that works out. Oh no, no, no! Forget it. Like, he mean, might I, he might try to kill you. That's over. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a game over. He would evacuate. Absolutely. No, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, appreciate you having me on. You're listening to the Big Brother Jake podcast. Back on the Big Brother Jake podcast. My next guest that's coming on, man, I've been wanting to talk to this brother. I've been friends with him for a minute. We're birthday twins, April 15th, tax babies. But he is the official DJ of the Los Angeles Dodgers. My man, the myth, the legend, the homie. Welcome, DJ Severe, to the Big Brother Jake Podcast. How you doing, brother? I'm good, bro. I'm good, bro. Glad to be here. Always, it's a long time coming. We are birthday twins. And yeah, yeah. Friends and homies. Yes, yes, yes. yes. It's been a all, long time coming. All yes. the all you like, man. You know, all, all all the things above. Yes, this this is a long time coming. You know, our schedules are always crazy. You know, right. life gets in the way sometimes. So I'm glad you're on, man. I really am. Glad to be here. Hell yeah. So, first question. And I, you know, because I tell people, you know, I will drop your name if it's going to help me in anything. <laughs> I say, yeah, I right. know I know homeboy that's playing the music. How the hell did you land this gig with the Dodgers? <laughs> okay so it's funny so um you remember back when manny ramirez got traded to the dodgers what was that 2008 yeah seven, eight, yeah something like that around okay. that time uh-huh so so the funny thing is the summer before or the the winter before that i had a buddy who said man check this out i got this job opportunity um in catering at dodger stadium for needy restaurants and he started telling me about the job. He's like, should I take it? I was like, man, yeah, you should take that job. <laughs> so anyway, fast forward, he got this job as a, the head caterer in the dugout club, which you and I know is the very bottom oh, of the yeah. stadium. Yes, sir. Where all the uh, Hollywood elite yep. come to hang out or those with the expensive um, season tickets come to hang. Right. So he, he approached me after he got the job. He's like, um, I'm thinking about spicing it up to have a small budget. I can bring in a DJ to DJ during the playoffs. So like the excitement's here. We want to bring um, a little more excitement. So I want to bring a DJ in. Are you down? I'm like, yeah, I'm down. So um, I came in. I think it was the first series. You know, we hadn't been in the work in the playoffs in years. So yeah. everybody's hyped. Um, and he's like, man, you come start about five o'clock. As soon as the national anthem starts, you stop playing music and then you kick it and eat good and kick it down here for the rest of the game. <laughs> and then, that's it. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I come in, knock it out. Um, um, a DJ, as soon as the national anthem starts, stop DJing, you know, get some prime ribs, some nice Caesar salad, start smoozing with people. I'm meeting like Tiger Woods and a d- different bunch of people. Oh, so damn. we're just hanging. Yeah. And then like, um, as seats open up, you can just go sit out uh, in the seats and chill and watch the game. So, I mean, you know, 
it's all gravy for me. I'm loving it. Um, so I did it all that first playoff series. Same thing next playoff series because I think they advanced. I forgot who they beat. But, I mean, energy is still up. Right. So um, every level of Dodger Stadium, there's a different Levy manager. So um, there was another DJ there at the time. I'm not sure who this was, but he was becoming a prima donna because he was asking for a lot more money. And then mm. they only he wanted another parking space. And so um, <laughs> okay. one of the other ma- – yeah, <laughs> he wanted like two parking spaces and they wanted you to work with one parking space. Right. So – um, one of the other managers got with my boy Sean and said, Hey, we hear you got a pretty good DJ. Would he be interested in helping out? Cause it's other guys. Da, 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 da. So he said, okay, he came to me and he asked me, would you be interested in doing this? But you want to get one parking space? I said, yeah, don't worry. So I called up like, um, they needed two spots. So at the, so now they need the spots on the, either the reserve level on both those sections over there. So I called up a couple of the DJ cats. I was like, look, we're going to get this. We're going to come in here. We're going to DJ. Um, and so what I came with this idea where I was going to put like a little, I put a, like a, um, a little hitch on the back of my Suburban because I, I had a Suburban at the time. Right. And just with a little trailer. And so I told him, I said, meet me down at the bottom of the hill. We'll put all the other equipment in. We'll ride in in one car and then we'll take the one parking spot and then we'll flip the trailer up on top of the, the truck. So we got one parking spot. Easy. Nobody knows. We don't have to worry about a um, second parking spot. So they're like, we're with it. So same thing. So we're DJing on all those levels before the game. As soon as the national anthem hits, we come down. Everybody's chilling in the dugout club. Now I got like three or four of my friends. We chilling in the dugout club, watching the game, making money, enjoying the game, eating good. And right. It's all lovely. Right. You know what I mean? So um, fast forward a couple. I, I finished all the playoffs. They brought me back for opening day the following year. And then the Dodgers started hearing about me. So they started – having me do Dodgers under the lights, which as you remember, it was when they fans would come out, they pay a bunch of money on an off day yes. and they would go on the field and then they would bat and meet Tommy or meet whoever and do all these things, take these tours. So they right. had me, they had me DJing on the dugout, top of the dugout. So I did about man, probably 10 of those. Okay. Um, and then someone else from Dodgers got to me, asked me what I do the Christmas party. So I'm like, okay, I'm down. So now I'm doing Levy, I'm doing Dodgers, other outside events. I'm starting to meet different people. I'm doing parties in Malibu for, oh, wow. um, yeah, I'm doing parties in Malibu. And I did a party for, I, I'm real tight with um, the original um, lawyer. What's the movie? Uh, I can't think of a movie. Dang, I'll, it'll come to me. Okay. It'll come to me. <laughs> so, so now I start doing Christmas parties. So I'm doing a Christmas party. This one year I'm doing a Christmas party. Probably the year after, two years after, I, I did a lot of them. And this one guy who eventually became my producer, his name is Damien. This is right when the DJ horn sound came. Ah, okay. The the air horn, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the air horn. So they were having a scavenger hunt on the field. And so I forgot how many times I was playing it. But, I mean, at the time it was popular. So um, (laughs) at the end of it, he walks over to me. He says, "Um, um, I really like that horn you're playing. I'm the producer here. Can you, like, email it to me? So I gave him my card. And then he emailed me about two months later. I was in New York on vacation. Mm-hmm. And he says, um, "Hey, I'm really want to interested in getting that sound effect from you." So I'm like, "Okay." So I sent it to him with a bunch of other sound effects. Right. And I asked him, I said, "Are there any openings?" And he says, "Matter of fact, we're looking for a DJ for the season. Are you interested?" Oh man. And so yeah, this is crazy how it happened. So I said, "Yeah." So I immediately shut down my my vacation and I started changing up my website. With, and I loaded all my Dodger picks. 
Aaron Brockovich. That's, a, that's okay. Aaron Brockovich. Yes. Yeah. So that so that so that original. So I've done like tons of parties at this guy's house in Malibu, and um, his wife Karen. They always so here's an inside story. Anytime I play Party Train for like a home run song, it's for them because they love Party for Train. For the band, yeah. Party. Yeah. For, yeah. So like they love it. Even though I was gonna do it anyway, but they always text me, "Can you play Party Train?" So anyway, I've done tons of parties like at, at their house. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. wondering why you played um, that joint after every home run, which yeah. I love the song, so I'm not complaining. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I usually try to wait until it's like really a party, like when we like maybe the third or fourth home run, or right. really smashing somebody. That's when I kick it out because you don't want to just kick it out on the first one. <laughs> you know? You know? So, um, so I shut, so I shut down my 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 vacation. Uh-huh. I started pouring in all my picks to my to my website, all Dodger related picks because I knew they were going to do their homework on me, even though they know me. And then as I'm doing all these events at the stadium, I'm making friends with everybody who I know is a Dodger person, even right. security guards. Right. So I'm already making my way around because it, you and I both know the more people you know around it, the easier it is to navigate. Absolutely. Trying to navigate around there. Yeah. Trying to navigate around there on a day when there's a bunch of stuff going on and this security person doesn't know you. You just want somebody to wave yep. you on through like, oh, this is DJ. Like he's Absolutely. cool. Blah, blah, blah. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So I started knowing, making, making relationships with everybody around there. Um, so, um, they call me in and say, okay, in two weeks, we're going to bring you in for an interview. So I'm interviewing with the guy and his name is Harlan and Damien mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Harlan was the new producer and he just wanted to bring in somebody that was really hip. So he brought me in, asked me all these baseball questions. Um, what I thought about it, how long I've been coming to the stadium. And I was like, man, I've been coming to the stadium since I was a kid. Right. Um, I'm a Dodger fan. Um, I know every level of entertainment on here because I've done all the concerts here. I did a share concert there one, you know what I mean, the off season, because they just start calling me for everything. Wow. Um, I did so much. I knew what the music was on every level. I knew right. the Latin stuff. I knew the rock stuff. I knew mm-hmm. just everything. I knew how it would go. A good DJ should so, know all music. Yes. And you yes. are a good DJ. Right. <laughs> Thank you, bro. Always. And so he, he sent me he sent me home with these tasks, like, what would you do in the bottom of the ninth if it was this, that, and the other, you know what I mean, the games on the line. Blah, blah. So I'm going home. I'm trying to figure out all these different scenarios and what would I play. Right. And so I come on with all this stuff. I go work and I'm all nervous like because I really want this job. Like this is a dream job. Right. Because even when I started first DJing there, just in the in the dugout club, I was like, one day I want to get to the top. Right. So um they call me back for a second interview. Um and even before I'm thinking I gotta answer all these questions, they say, Look, man, we just gonna give it to you because we already know you. We see you around the stadium. You pretty much have a handle on it. We just wanted to make you work a little bit, but we know the job short. <laughs> that's typical. And so that's how I got it. Yeah, that's how I got it. And it's funny because um, my first, so I knew he's like, he's like, I just want you to get, bring in a new style of music. I just want you to open it up and then, you know what I mean, bring in hip hop, bring in whatever. So I'm like, okay, cool. So uh, it's funny because I'm, I, I worked on all these pregame mixes beforehand. Mm-hmm. And immediately the players could tell a difference. Right. And so my first experience within like my first two homestands was Garrett Anderson, who was on the team at the time. Mm-hmm. He went through he went through PR and he said, Hey, I really like what the DJ's playing. Can he can he give me some mixes? And so um Chapper, I'm sure you know Chapper, he told mm-hmm. he texted me, he's like, Hey, um Garrett Anderson really likes your music. Can you make him some mixes? He wants to know how much. And I'm like, Okay. Tell him, don't worry. I'll give him mixes. I don't want any money. I just want to take a picture with him. So right. he's like, okay, cool. So 
the next day I go to the stadium, I got the I got the mixes ready, I go down, they call me downstairs, my first time being downstairs. Um and the first player I meet is James Loney. He's like right there right, okay. in the at the locker room. You know, this is the old ratty locker room, yes. not even the good one. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, that's James Loney. So I start talking to James and he starts telling me like, Yeah, I like the music. Um, everything is good. He's like, You play like a really good um um just a good selection. It's different than any ballpark. So I'm like, oh, I, I love to hear that. So Garrett comes in. I give him the mixes. We chop it up a little bit. PR is watching me, trying to see how I interact with the players. Right. It's cool. And so we take a couple pictures. I go up to the game. So about the middle of the fourth, Chapper comes up. He's got an envelope, and the envelope has five hundred dollars in it. What? You know, it's from yeah, it's from Garrett Anderson. Oh damn! And so it's <laughs> it's funny because um, all the media is looking over it, and then everybody I work with is looking over it. They see they see Chapper hand me this envelope. And then uh, they asked me what it is. So I say, you know, what, I told them what it is and what I did for it. So they go, okay, wow. So now the next day, I'm like, look, I tell Chapper, I got some more mixes for Garrett, but I don't want any money. I just want to give him some more right. mixes. Right. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to solidify the relationship. So same thing, though. I give him the mixes, another envelope, 500 bucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but what it did was it solidified my relationship with the players and PR right. because at the time, at the time, the DJ was hands off. Only everything went through PR. Mm-hmm. So when they saw my interaction with them, they, you know, they knew I was cool with them and trying to get some of the hip hop selections from PR. They don't know what they're talking about. So a player will tell them something and they get it all messed up and I got to decipher it right. and it'd be all messed <laughs> up the name or the track. It doesn't, doesn't work. And so even fast forward, a couple years after that, or maybe a season after that. Well, even in that first season, on my first season, the Yankees came to town. Uh-huh. And so, and the Yankees wrote up in the New York Times, like the best music at any stadium is, is uh Dodger Stadium. So I got these big props um, <laughs> from my producer at the time. He's like, and Harlan. So I was like, I kind of solidified, you know, my spot. Right. And then I even survived Damien and Harlan because they got fired that year. Right. And as soon as I saw that they got fired, I thought I just knew I was out of there because mm-hmm. they brought me in. But they were like, no, we like what you do, so we're going to keep you around. And so I've been 11 years. This is my 11th season, and I've, I've managed to stick around. Damn, that's that's amazing. You're listening to DJ Severe here on the Big Brother Jake podcast. So one of the things, I, I you know, because I know you personally, you know, I, I know the, the method of what you do, but you right. go down to spring training. And you right. go to each and every player that's going to make the 25-man roster, and you get their right. music request, correct? Right. Yes. 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 It's more of a – now it's more of a just a meet and greet. Right. Or not a meet and greet, but more kind of like, look, just like a, it's more like a business trip to just see what's going on and to talk about it and make sure everything is cool. At first, when I first did it, it would be like, okay, what are you thinking about this year? Right. And then it just became – now it's more like we sit around – at the at the in the clubhouse and they just start running off tracks to me and then i'm more sitting there having conversations with them right. about why they picked the track or whatever <laughs> um so i mean it's more like you know kind of like music because honestly every time i go um they really don't have anything picked the only person who would always have something picked and who was i would spend probably hours at his locker uh-huh. was andre ethier me and andre <laughs> ethier would go over so much i stuff. can see that and i can like, see that oh he's like what about this and what about that? And what about this? And what about that? So, you know what I mean? When it was Dre and then Matt. Me and Matt would sit and talk about different things. Matt Kim? It's, it's funny. Just, yeah, Matt okay. Kim. It's just funny just to sit at the locker room 
and then scroll through all these. Have just I'm sitting with a player, and we're just going through his phone. And you know what I mean? He's like, I like this song, I like that song, I like that song. You know what I mean? Or I'm right. sitting there last. <laughs> it's funny this this past uh, um, spring training. I'm so I'm sitting there with Kike, uh, Chris Taylor, Jock, and um, Cody. Uh-huh. And sitting talking. So we were talking about something, and then we were asking Chris Taylor like why he picked his songs that he picked. Because I was telling him something, I was asking him because the crowd is like the uh, the fans are like, can we? Uh, why has he picked that song? So we're sitting there, and it's all three of us, and we're looking. And Chris Taylor, all he says is, "Well, my friend was in town that day, and I thought it'd be cool to play a joke on him, and I just kind of stuck with it." And we we're all looking at him with a blank face, like that's the only reason why you had that song. I mean, so. It's cool to get that insight at that time of right. the year from them uh-huh. and then just talk. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and then also, so then basically I have a different relationship with each one on mm-hmm. when we talk about music. Um, um, Kershaw is a real big fan of mine. So actually this year's spring training, I actually DJed my first workout session for them. And oh, it was like okay. a surprise for like Kershaw. Kershaw was all pumped up and he, you know, he got really into it. And it was, man, it was nice just to go down there and then, just to see the players come in early morning because I got I was there at five in the morning. Oh wow! And just for to see them, just to see them to come in and then see the reaction when I was just DJing a live workout session was like crazy. Right. Because I've never gotten a chance to do that. Um, so usually how it works is throughout the season there's certain different ways like Kike, JT, um, Pollock, um, Joe Kelly, and Kike they text me directly. Oh wow! About what they want. Yeah. Um, some of the other players, like um, Rios and other people, they'll DM me, but it's still kind of like the same thing. Like, right. There's been many times I'll get a text in the middle of the night from Justin Turner, like, is this, is this a banger or not? Nah? You know what I mean? And we are, so we'll t- <laughs> it's like one in the morning, and I'm just going, okay. Like, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? And I'll right. never tell them no, because I don't want to have to come up with something that's, that they think is a banger. So I'll right. say, yeah, that's a banger. We'll just make it, we'll just make it work. <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. I just say, yeah, we'll just make it work. Because I'm, I'm not trying to come up with something. You know what I mean? Especially not at one in the morning. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and then, like, like Kershaw, me and Kershaw, sometimes we talk at, like, the foundation. Uh, we've gone, we've gotten real, me and Kershaw have gotten a really good relationship. I used to be really, I, 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 Kershaw was so hands-off to me that I wouldn't talk to him. You know what I mean? Especially right. when he's pitching, I wouldn't, like, Definitely not when he's yeah, pitching. Yeah, not on, not but on I mean, pitching day. Yeah, they're, they're not locked on in. Day. Right. Yeah, but as he's, as he's, you know what I mean, gotten older and then more mellow, it's like, man, it really, most of the time, I'm just walking through the locker room and I just get fist bumps from him. Yeah. You know what I mean? But me and Corey, me and Corey Seager are real, real tight because Corey doesn't really like the limelight and all that kind of stuff. Right. But Corey's so genuine. He'll come up and talk to you. You know what I mean? So I spend a lot of, like, you know, good time. And it's like they'll introduce their girlfriends to me. And then, I mean, you know, so we have a, a nice little polished relationship outside of, right. of that. You know what I mean? Right. Um, me and Kenley talk a lot. Kenley's really into his his uh, um, his music and, and, like, coming out and, like, wants to make sure, like, things are right. And it's it's funny, man, because the people that don't really change are the pitchers. And right. it takes a minute for them to approach me. Because I don't like to approach the pitchers because if you haven't, like, picked a song, then I'm not trying to bug you. So right. it took, like... It took a couple seasons for Baez to finally approach me. And once we <laughs> he approached me, then we, you know, we got real close. Like, he got, hey, Papa, you know, we just clicked. I mean, it's cool to navigate around it. Because when I'm down there, I don't try to invade them. Because it's like, they don't get that much private time when they're there. So it's oh, like, yeah, for sure. I like, you know what I mean? So I it's do. like, I, I want to, I don't go down there that much. 
Um, so when I do, I try to make sure that, that it's, that it, that it, that it's, um, the perfect time and that I don't like overdo it. But I mean, they'll sign anything for me if I ask them, cause I don't do it a lot. You right. know what I mean? Like I've had some, you know, um, when I'm down to spring training, if I see kids that, that are down there with their families and they can't get something signed, you know, I'll pick out certain kids sure, and I'll yeah. ask them who they want to get signed yeah. and I'll walk back in and I'll tell the player like, Hey, I guess it's for this kid. Um, they really want to try to meet you and they'll sign it. Um, which is cool. You know what right, I mean? Right. Which is cool. And I have such a good relationship with them, like the even the media trips off of it, because they're like, why are you so good with the players? But when we ask them something, you know what I mean? They're because like, you've earned their like, trust. Well, just, you've earned their trust. Yeah, I've earned their trust. We're just talking about music. You know what I mean? Right. And they know I got their best interest. And if we're just trying to, I'm just talking about something that they can get away from, from baseball or the other questions you're asking them. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I kind of like, that's kind of like my favorite part of the job, having access like that and just being able to, like talk to the players about music. That's dope to me. Right. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're listening to DJ Severe on the Big Brother Jake podcast. Now, as most DJs do, I, I did a long time ago and I retired very early in life because I know I sucked. But here's the thing. <laughs> I know like when you DJ in a gig, you feed off the crowd, you feed off the energy. You see how people are getting down, especially like when you're playing California Love with, with you know, right. at the, towards the end of the game and whatnot. And then, you know, Randy Newman, if, if the Dodgers win. This right, year right, is right. a lot different because you right. don't have that energy from the crowd. How how right. is it to DJ? I mean, to an empty stadium basically with some cardboard cutouts. What's that like? Not be. I mean, maybe you see the players, you feed off of that. How how does that work out for you? Well, you know the dope thing is okay. So I kind of in the beginning I said okay, what is my plan going to be? Because right. I was like okay, let me. And I didn't want to overthink it because I was like, I can come up with a plan and it just get totally scrapped. Right. So I was talking with management beforehand and they were like, look, just kind of like, you're kind of going to be more there for the players, right. not so much like the fans. I said, okay, well, but then what happened was the first game in, people were tweeting me like, we can't hear the song or what song was that? <laughs> so people were still, you know, listening. Because even during the games during on Twitter and on Instagram, I'm really interactive with the fans. Yeah, I, I, like, I noticed that. I noticed yeah, so um, that's one of my favorite parts too. It's like I like to like talk to them about song choices and that other. Right. So I really couldn't, even though management is kind of like, look, this is just just your chance to play music and enjoy the games. I was like, nah, I still kind of want to contribute mm-hmm. with my fan base because they're used to me doing that. So I kind of said, okay, look, I'm gonna prepare like I normally prepare. Prepare. I'm gonna come in with the pump tracks. I'm gonna do my thing. Um, but the thing I like about it now is with there being no fans there, I still have energy. Like now it's a different energy because I look down when we do it's time for Dodger baseball. Mm-hmm. And if Clayton's not pitching, I always see Clayton dancing. You know what I mean? So right. that, and he's pumping up the crowd. Um, I even see Doc now bobbing his head more. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And then the kind of thing that made me feel good is right before when we had our inter-squad games, uh, my first game back, Alana talked to Doc about it in the, in the, in the presser. She's uh-huh. like, um, how did it feel to have Dieter and DJ Severe and Todd? And he's like, oh, well, DJ Severe always brings energy. It's real good to have those guys because now we feel like we're at at home. Right. And that's our definite home field advantage. So that kind of gave me a little more energy to go, okay, they're listening, so I really got to be on point. Right. Um, DJ-wise, what I like about it now is the inning breaks are pretty much all me. So it's like now I get to I, I get to pick and do two songs where supposedly, before I would only have 
maybe one song. Right. But now I can kind of mix in two songs. I can kind of play around with it. So I've been doing different things. Like I'll play the sample than the original. You know what I mean? Right, so right, right. I've been kind of like mixing it up, trying to have like a little more fun with it. And every now and then TV will take it or, you know what I mean? We'll stick around and we'll do something. So I've tried to just, you know what I mean? Work in different creative energy off of it, but also still use it as home field advantage because mm-hmm. um, even this, like this year, like Tommy Pham, who's, who always talks about me when the Padres came, he sent me a DM. He's like, bro, he's like, I fuck with you. You're the best DJ in the MLB, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, words. I appreciate that, bro. He's like, I'm a big fan of yours too. So it's like, um, and it's funny when Matt comes to town, and before when I would go down on the field and talk to him, he always brings all the players from whatever team he's around. Yeah. DJ Severe, he's the one who keeps it like rocking in here. So it's cool that I'm kind of known like around MLB as like the best DJ in MLB. You're a trailblazer, you know I mean? man. You're a trailblazer, yeah. brother. I appreciate it, bro. I appreciate it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, man. Let me tell you, I have a quick story to tell you before I wrap this up. I was okay. I was doing work because you know sometimes I'm there to do my side job, my side hustle, and and I'll mix right. audio for a, you know visiting teams once in a while. Right. I won't name the team because I don't want to lose their money. But uh, right, right. <laughs> you were rocking out hard one night, and okay. I'm bobbing my head, and I I know you, so I'm like, man, but it was louder than usual. Right. The two broadcasters turned around, look at me, and said, "Is there any way you can get him to turn that down?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, I'll get right on it." And I faked like yeah. I called you, but I never called you because <laughs> right. I want the Dodgers to win. So I'm like, I don't care about right. these fools. I know they sat on my right. checks, but I ain't tripping. But almost every time I work for the visiting team, they're like, "Man, it is loud in here." I'm like, "Man, it's LA. Right. That's how they do it out here." We're not That's used to that it. in this city or that city. I'm like, "Well, you guys should get familiar because this man." He he gets loud and he pumps up the crowd and they're like, well, yeah, it does. It, I see where that's a, a home field advantage. So you 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 yeah. uh <laughs> you know what you're doing in that DJ booth, brother. But I gotta say, man, it, it, it was a pleasure having you come on the Big Brother Jake podcast. And man, I'd love to have you on again, man. I really would. Anytime, bro. Anytime that you that you feel like there's a critical um, team coming in town or something you want to know, I got tons of stories. Tons of <laughs> Uh, player jokes, I got tons of stuff. So, oh, we we, um, we gonna hit on all that the next years, time. I got all that. Absolutely, yeah. we'll hit that on the next time, brother. <laughs> Most definitely, bro. Most definitely. You're listening to the Big Brother Jake Podcast. Back on the Big Brother Jake Podcast. Now, I'm gonna say this: this guy that you're about to hear, chop it up with me for a minute. He's one of my favorite people on earth. Um, Los Angeles is blessed to see him every single day on ABC7. The man, the myth, the legend, and Leo, University of Laverne in the house. My man, Rob Fukuzaki, is on the podcast. How you doing, sir? What's up, big brother Jake? Man, How are you, bud? It's, it's good to, 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 to talk to you, man. It's been a while, you know, trying to, you know, before we started recording, we're just catching up on family stuff, and we haven't talked in a while, so it's good to hear your voice, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, I, going all the way back to the uh, Ben Maller days. Oh, you yeah, know? oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love Ben, man. Like, I've been begging him to have me back on, but, uh, you know, whatever. One day, one yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, I still listen to him every night. Oh yeah, me too. Me too. Cause I'm I'm a yeah. night owl. I'm up late doing stuff, you know. And uh, obviously you are. So yeah, you know. And that's that's how we were able to communicate. And then you know I realized, damn, he's a University of Laverne alum like myself. So we both have that going for us. And uh, you know, so it's all about them go Leos. Like 
That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So to, let's go ahead and get into this. We got a lot going on in the Southland as far as sports goes. Um, mm-hmm. The Lakers, they finally put Portland to bed, won it in five, and now they're awaiting their next opponent. And mm-hmm. they, they seem to struggle just a bit at the beginning of the series. But what's your take, Rob, on, on the Lakers and, and how they handled Portland and what's to come for them? Well, first of all, I think uh, they were just still trying to get their rhythm as far as being in the bubble because at the beginning – they were very inconsistent, you know, when they restarted the season. Right. Um, if you looked at, like, AD, for instance, Anthony Davis, you look at his stats, and it was almost like he was having a good game every other game. Right. Um, and then, you know, when the playoffs began, uh, yeah, I think Portland was a very difficult draw from the very beginning because Portland was the one that was fighting to get into the playoffs, right. and they were seemingly the hottest team heading into the postseason. Uh, but, of course, uh, unfortunately, you know, C.J. McCollum, for Portland fans, C.J. McCollum was <laughs> hurt with his, uh, with his fractured back. And, of course, Damian Lillard got hurt late in the series. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, if, if Lillard was healthy, I think it may have gone seven games. I think uh, Portland is very – Nurkic, I, I was expecting a little more out of Nurkic. Yeah. Uh, played well in the playing game. Played well at the very beginning of the series. But, uh, yeah, thankfully for Laker Nation, they are on to the second round. Um, I think they really looked a lot better in the final two games of that series. You could see that they were more or less in sync, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. led by their big two, LeBron and AD. And then, of course, the supporting cast were doing their part because uh, they really need the bench to, to really shine because down the road, when you get to the Western Conference Finals, if they get there and the Clippers are right there facing them, that Clipper team has a really deep team. Yes, and everybody knows that. So, um, so that's, that's where I think, uh, you know, the Lakers really need their bench. Yes. And I think mm-hmm. they need a ball handler, too. And, you know, they're talking about Rondo's coming back, possibly, mm-hmm. uh, to, to lead this team. I think, and I've talked, and I grew up a Laker fan here in L.A., I think because the Lakers have had so much problems with Portland, if they played in Portland, I think it would have been a way different series, along with the injuries oh. as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, the old Rose Garden, now the Moda Center. I mean, that is one of the most difficult places to play, right? especially in the Western Conference, especially during the postseason. Uh, and, of course, you know the history. The Lakers have had trouble in Portland. And uh, during during this uh, postseason, there really isn't any home court advantage, right. with the exception of piped-in crowd noise and the <laughs> virtual fans and, yes. and and the logo on the court. But yeah. that's about it. That's it. Yes. So so you're right. It would have been, I think, a very difficult series if they, you know, had to fly to Portland. And you know, uh, of course, you know, they had their home court at Staples Center for Game Seven, if there was a Game Seven. Absolutely. You're listening to Rob Fukuzaki on the Big Brother Jake podcast. Rob works at ABC7 here in Los Angeles. He's an icon, everyone, so show the respect. (laughs) So let's go across the hall. You like that intro, right? So let's go across the hall to the Clippers. I mean, I'm a little biased. I'm a Laker fan, but I I work for the Clippers, and and, and on my podcast, I get a lot of hell for that because – 
you know, they're like, well, you grew up a Laker fan. How, how are you going to root for the Clippers? Well, the Clippers pay my bills, man. So, And I work for them, but I love watching them. But they really showed their depth in this uh, series, this past series against Dallas. Um, even without Patrick Beverly, there were some winnable games in that series, but I really think that if they can handle business, play the way they're supposed to play, and not like get into any kind of drama, they can mm-hmm. beat their next opponent in the next round. What do you think, Rob? Well, absolutely. And first of all, are the Clippers okay with you being public, being a Laker fan? Is that okay? <laughs> well, here's the funny part about that. They know I'm a Laker fan, and all they tell me is when it's against the Lakers, you don't cheer. Well, I wouldn't cheer anyways because I'm a professional working the switches. Sure. But but they know. They know. But I'm also I, I want them to win. I want them to win, of course. So, yeah, it's, yes. it's, it's a weird dynamic, but it works. Yeah. Well, you know, I grew up a Laker fan as well. I grew up an L.A., um, you know, sports fan. Right. I, I was born in Torrance. Uh, my pe- family moved to Hawaii when I was a kid. But, mm-hmm. you know, I was always a big L.A. sports fan. Of course, Growing up, I wasn't really into the Clippers. Uh, Being here in Los Angeles, working in the media, you sort of want all of your local teams to do well because when they're successful, it's fun for us. Yes. Um, But this Clipper team, I've become a fan of this Clipper team just because uh, it was so well um, orchestrated by Jerry West and company, Lawrence Frank, Mm-hmm. I think uh, putting this team together, it's because, you know, back in the Lob City days, it was sort of the same thing each yes. year in the playoffs. You know, it's like, uh, what is the old definition of, you know, insanity, doing the same thing over and over <laughs> and expecting a different result. Right. <laughs> but they kept doing the same thing and they kept getting the same result. Well, this team, you're, you're seeing a completely different landscape. And I think Kawhi and Paul George uh, leading the way, is just one part of the element because this team has so many different role players. And, you know, you, you're right. Without Patrick Beverly, they still got through that first round fairly easily. And, um, you know, I think just anybody on that bench can come out and have a 20-point game. You right. know, yes. it's, it, you know, like Patterson or, you know, Montrezl Harrell, Lou Williams, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, those two sparks off the bench. Right. That is such a luxury to have those two guys coming off the bench where they could be a starter for any other team. So they are loaded, Jake, and I think I picked the Clippers to go to the NBA Finals and also, um, you know, I'd like to see the Lakers get, you know, another title, you know. Sure, uh, yeah. but, but realistically, if you just look at the team's, and and look at the depth of the Clippers. If they stay healthy and they play to their potential, they should get to the NBA Finals, I think. Absolutely. I think, you know, health is a factor, and if they can remain healthy, I think they could beat anybody, anyplace, anytime, because they had that. And plus, they they got Doc. Too, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Doc. Yeah. Doc's, Doc's the champion, you know. Yeah, he's been so. in these situations and with Kawhi and Paul George finally, you know, out of, you know, the, the, the stuff he was going through. You know, he's, he's bounced back. And as a team, they rallied around him, and that helped mm-hmm. his game a lot. So, you know, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, most definitely. And they survived without Paul George being Paul George, you know. Right, so exactly. I, yeah. 
Exactly, 100%. You're listening to Rob Fukuzaki of ABC7 Los Angeles here on the Big Brother Jake Podcast. Let's switch over to baseball. I'm not going to talk about the team in Anaheim because it's not worth my time. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I am a Dodger homer. I love this team. I love where they're going. I love how the, the power and the pitching's like all coming together. Mookie Betts has just lit a, just been lit a fire under this team. I think, you know, what, what's your opinion on, on these Dodgers? Uh, do they seem like a more balanced team than last year? And do you think they can go even further than they did last year? I think this team is definitely on a little different level because of Mookie Betts. Yes. Um, I, I think adding him to already explosive lineup really puts him over the top. And if everyone you know, uh, plays to the potential, like I just said about the Clippers, because they are so loaded. They have um, a lineup uh, top to bottom that is better than anyone else's in the major leagues. I think uh, if Bellinger gets back to his MVP form, he started very slow, but lately he's his bat's gotten pretty hot. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I really do believe that this team can win the World Series this year, get back to the World Series, and and win it. Um, the only thing that really scares me is the new playoff format. Yes. Uh, for the shortened season, they're they're you know they're taking what six teams from the NL and of course the AL and um, it's a best of three first round, and that yeah. is a crapshoot. Yes. I think anybody can win that first round, and uh, that that kind of scares me. It kind of gives me a, a sense of it's not it's not fair yeah. to a team that you know is maybe you know has the best record in the national league or even the majors and uh they get knocked out in the first round but those are the rules yeah. this year yeah. and everyone's playing by the same rules so uh, uh i think if they can get the pitching like uh you know Kershaw's been great yep. um i think uh like Gonsolin you know that's one of the reasons why Stripling was let go to uh, Toronto um, so they are very, very loaded. And um, as far as the team from Anaheim, I really <laughs> feel bad for Mike Trout. I do too. I do too. He is such a great player, <laughs> and he's such a good guy. And you just want him to win, and you want him to get to the playoffs. He's only been once, and they got swept in yeah. by the eventual champion Royals that season. But I, you know, I really, really feel for Mike Trout. But as far as getting back to the Dodgers, yeah, my favorite team as well, and I. I do really think Doc and company has what it takes to win it all. Even though it's a shortened season, yeah. whatever it is, it, it's, it's a season. And I, I am surprised that they got this far as far as playing baseball mm -hmm. because I was very apprehensive before any of the sports started. Yeah. Thinking like, you know, I don't think in the coronavirus era we're going to be able to get sports back, let alone, okay, they're going to start. I don't think they're going to finish. So let's cross our fingers that we get to the finish line. Uh, we've had a few outbreaks. That was a couple months ago, but, yeah. you know, one or two here and there. Let's finish the season and let's get through the postseason and crown a champion. Hopefully it's the Dodgers. Absolutely. Rob, before we go, do you think whether it's an L.A. team in, in the NBA or L.A. team or any team for that matter that wins the title, do you think it should be with an asterisk or it's tainted because of – the coronavirus and having to play less games or having to play altered uh, venues and whatnot? No, I don't think there should be an asterisk. I think 
I think you you go into this knowing that it's it's different. Everything in 2020 has been different, mm -hmm. and uh, it's funny because if you look at the numbers, just the numbers 2020. If you had something like 2018, 2021, or whatever, mm -hmm. 2020 really stands out. Everyone's going to remember <laughs> what happened in 2020. Oh yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and uh, you know, I think when it comes to the sports. Yes, everything was different. Baseball was different. You know, runner mm -hmm. in second when you go into extra innings. Yeah. Um, you know, pitching changes. Got to face three batters. You know, all these kind of different changes throughout every sport, whether it was in the bubble, it's baseball, the hockey bubble. Mm -hmm. And we don't know what's going to happen with the NFL coming up. But I think you just play it out and you crown a champion if you are able to crown a champion if you get that far. And then everybody's going to remember, oh, yeah, that was the pandemic year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't think you need any asterisk. I, I think ever in everyone's mind, they remember, yeah, everything was so different then. But the Dodgers won the World Series, you know, or yeah. or whoever. The Lakers won the NBA title. And, you know, I, I think – in everyone's mind, they they knew what happened that year. Absolutely, absolutely. It's been one. I think the only asterisk you put a, is in uh, 2017. Absolutely, Rob. That's baseball right. Baseball that year. Damn it, that's <laughs> right. I'm still bitter about that. I still have flashbacks, and I still sport my Houston asterisk shirt any any chance I get. I, you know, I, let me calm down, Wusa. I gotta calm down because I know we can go I know, a whole hour on that. <laughs> We can go a whole hour on that, but Rob, <laughs> it's been a pleasure having you on the Big Brother Jake podcast. Anytime you want to come it. back, I'd love to have you back on, man. Anytime. Just, you know, keep me posted, keep me in touch, you know, uh, and, you know, I continue success with your podcast and uh, wish you all the best and, and, and the best to you and your family. You're listening to the Big Brother Jake podcast with Big Brother Jake. Duh. All right, so the next guest I have here on the Big Brother Jake podcast, this guy I've been rolling with, man, probably like 10 years or so. Uh, we've been through a lot together in this business. You don't see a lot of brothers doing what we do in this business. You know, he's the first African-American executive producer of the Rams Radio Network. I was that with the Dodgers. He's also a producer on Opinionated Seven Footers. Is that on CBS, right? Right? Am I correct? Yes, it is. All yeah. right. Introducing the world and... Former Moesha star, <laughs> Mike Pearson, a.k.a. Ty Eli, my homeboy. What's good, Ty? How you doing, man? What's up, man? What's up? I'm doing good, brother. Thanks for the intro, man. Thanks oh, for the intro. Always, man. I'm going to start off with this first, man, because I always laugh every time we talk about it. And, and you're not shy about it. My man here was in the movie Almost Famous. And he was the guy that they cut away from. He had the Malcolm X glasses, the brother. That's my man Mike right now. He was he was in that movie. How was that being on a set of that on that movie? What was that like, man? How was that? <laughs> man, you know, as you know, man, just in life, sometimes it's like a I wouldn't say a fluke, you know what I'm saying? But sometimes you stumble on, you know, some great opportunities, and yeah. success, and you stumble on uh, being a part of, you know, sometimes history. Uh, just by doing the things you do, man. I was just that day. I was doing background, um, and they were like, hey, can you do a movie um, on, at Beverly Hills High, you know, this tomorrow at this time? I'm like, sure, you know, let me let me just, I'm trying to stay busy and, you know, just doing background stuff. Right. So 
I went down to Beverly Hills High, and, you know, they of course, they didn't tell me the name of the movie at first. Uh-huh. And when I got there, I heard what it was, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. Still wasn't sure, you know, because it was background work. It wasn't like I was a lead actor, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, man, so just chilling, and uh, Cameron Crowe, man, the director, it had uh, just came and said, hey, can you sit over here and kind of make some face expressions and things like that? I didn't think <laughs> nothing of it, you know what I mean? Right. And then, and I had no idea the movie would become that big, but now that it uh, it has, and you know, it's just a part of history. It's a classic. Yeah, I'm happy to be a part of that, man. So that's that's pretty much what it was, man. It's just hanging around. Sometimes, you know, just being being there is <laughs> half the battle. Right, it's absolutely. Half the battle, you know. Yep, showing up at the right place, right time. I mean, and, and you've also been on Moesha. You were still in. You were still in girls. You know. Uh, at dances, you were you, you were the dude walking. Was it second season? You know, walking by Moesha, and she's looking. And tell tell me right. about that that time you spent on that set, and how how was that? <laughs> oh man, that was uh, that was fun, man. You know, uh, just kind of getting just getting out of high school, out of high school for a year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, and my boy Lamont Bentley, rest in peace. Yes. He, uh, you know, we grew up in the same neighborhood. And he was a little bit older than me, but uh, once I got out of high school, we kind of started hanging out a little bit more. And, uh, man, we used to just, you know, when uh, people were starting to go back to school, like into August, early September, mm-hmm. that's when a lot of the uh, the, the uh, TV show and things like that start coming back from hiatus. Yeah. And uh, so around that time, I would get excited. People would be like, hey, we're going back to school, this, this, and that. I'm like, oh, man, TV is coming back, you know? And the <laughs> yeah. same thing. I was doing background for them too, but at the same time, I was, you know, I was like hanging out. Sometimes we'd spend the night in Lamont. We would get up early and just go to the set, you know, and I was right. hanging in his room. And it was time, when it was time to work, he was just, uh, you know, go down and do some background stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much the, the, being on the title of the second season was just pretty much me just talking to people. I think my personality, <laughs> uh, thank God, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just was chill, even though my boy, played on the show at the time i didn't you know look down on people or treat anybody differently and i was just a cool person you know that's what i believe is why i got it you know and i was just one day we were at lamert park and they was filming uh, you know the title yeah. and uh i was just hanging with him in the uh hanging with him in the dressing room man tell you the truth we had smoked a little bit and uh, <laughs> and, and uh i remember it was drinking i was drinking on the sapporo man you know okay uh, and then somebody knocked on the door. I remember one of the uh, assistants like, "Hey, uh, Tyson, can you come out real quick and do this?" And then you know they uh, bought me out. And the director was kind of looking. I'm like, "What is going on here?" You know what uh-huh. I mean? He was like, I, "I was across the street, just sitting on the curb, waiting for them to do whatever they did." And then they asked me to do that, man. And that was a part of history too. So that was good. <laughs> this is my boy yeah. Mike Pearson here on the Big Brother Jake podcast. Yeah, and I would always say when I see that, like, who's that fool acting like he's hard? <laughs> right, and then, right, right. And then what oh, happens? Hey, I end up being your homeboy. <laughs> yeah, man, it's true, man. I mean, it's like it's funny because you know you got that that edge from LA a little bit. You yeah, with your chest out. Of course, you got a certain walk. You know, all this uh, misconceptions. You know what I mean? But. <laughs> That was that was part of it, you know. It didn't it didn't leave me until years later. But no, I feel, I feel you, man. Because like like I knew you were from L.A. just by seeing you on on, on, on those yeah. opening credits. Like that fool's from L.A. He definitely below the ten freeway. Yeah. 
Below the 10th yeah, rib, for probably, sure. Yeah. That's probably why they use me. They're like, yeah, he looks like Lamert Park. He looks uh, like Lamert Park. Right. You know, it, it was interesting, though, too, is just kind of like, it was fun because, like, people didn't, that didn't know me didn't know me, but everybody that did know me that went to school, you know, yeah. I was popular, you know. I was I was like, you know, I was, uh, I was famous among the people that I already knew. Right. You know, so. So that's dope, and and here's the thing about uh, about Ty. I call him Ty. All right, thing about Ty yeah. is that he's always man. For 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 one thing, he can get you into anything. And, and I'm gonna tell this story real quick before we get into some uh-huh. other stuff. Because of Ty, I got to experience two important life like you know milestones, bucket list items, and I'm gonna brag on you right now. Uh, the first one was you were able to get me into the premiere of uh, Magic versus Bird, the HBO movie with Magic Johnson. And, mm-hmm. you know, my goal the whole night was to try and at least get a picture with him. And we sat through the movie. You couldn't stay because you had to go work with uh, JT the Brick over at Fox Sports Radio, which is where we met at Fox Sports Radio and became friends and, uh-huh. and worked and grinded and did all that stuff together. And because of you, I got to meet Magic because you got me in the door. And I'm forever mm-hmm. grateful for that because you know that's my favorite athlete of all time. And the second, yep, yep. The, the second time was uh, the Lakers parade in 2009 at, at the Coliseum, and like there was riots outside. We couldn't get in, and my man, and I, I hope I don't get him in trouble with the misses, but like he, he sweet talked his way. Like we made some calls. They're like, hey, we got bracelets for you if you can get in, but you got to get in. We can't go up to the gate. So he sweet talked his way into this. Uh, Law enforcement uh, woman. <laughs> it was kind. And all of a sudden, he's like, yo, get it. let's go. I'm like, what? Got us in. And not only did we think we were just going to be in the crowd, we were happy to just do that. We had the, 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 the bracelets that allowed us to go down to the court. And that's where I met Ice Cube and got a photo with him. And that man and got to sit, stand next to him and all that. So I'm going to give you your roses and your flowers right now while you're here. And thank you for that. <laughs> because those two pictures are like bucket lists. And it's all because of you. So I got to thank you for that first and foremost. Oh, man. Don't worry about it. Anytime, bro. It's like I, I, I'm glad you reminded me how we got in. I had no clue because <laughs> back then, man, you know, we were doing it all. Man. We were. We had all kind of. Man had all kind of hustles, you know what I mean. That were all le- they were all they were all legal. I yes. think, you know. What I'm saying? No, you were. They were. No, no, don't put that out. Know? But but we kind of you know we learned the game, man. Learn the game, and like I said, it's just how you kind of treat people, man, and talk to people. Absolutely, and I think that that goes a long way. You know what I mean? And, and as long as it's genuine, you know what I'm saying? Of yeah, course. people know when it's fake. Some, yeah, exactly. So yeah, man, that was good times, man. It was. That was uh. I remember that, you know, I remember yeah. they were a little bit late because um, <laughs> I think the bus was waiting on Vanessa Bryant yeah. you know, yep. uh, to come and she came and the Lakers walked down the Coliseum stairs yeah. and stayed and Cube was there. It was a man, it was nice. Well, it was it was a good time, man. We were chilling. Yeah, it was a great time and and, and uh, my second child was like due any moment. So I was like, damn, I might have to bounce but you know, luckily it didn't happen because I was on edge for that. And but it was a, it was a great day. And here's the thing about Ty: like he's so damn humble, but he is one of the most hardest working people I've ever met in my life. His his hard work, his hustle, and his ability for gift the gab, and and his you know being genuine, 
is what has gotten him to where he's at now. You know, he's executive producing the Rams Radio Network. The first brother to do that, man. Opinionated seven-footers, producer, CBS Sports. I mean, damn, my man has just came up. And I, I just want to show you love, man. Like, I'm so hyped for you and everything you've got to do in your career. You know, you, you work hard and you hustle hard, man. What's it like? T- tell the people, and I always get this question. A lot of these youngsters want to break into the business. You and I have talked at this for hours on how to do it. You know, what was your route? How did you get into the business? How did you become a success in the business? Give, give the people that that don't want to break in. Tell them how you did it. Man, question, man. I, you know, I was working <laughs> at a, I was working at a UCLA. You know, back in the day, right? Up in the uh, working, you know, in the medical field, and ended up at the. Uh, at this time, I was at the. Uh, I think I was at the I Institute on campus right there in Westwood. Mm-hmm. And, man, to tell you the truth, man, I got tired. I got tired of, uh, thank God it's Friday, damn it's Monday. Yeah. Thank God it's Friday, damn it's Monday. Thank God it's Friday, <laughs> damn it's Monday. You know? Yeah. Like, and, and to tell you the truth, I was like, man, I was grateful. You know, I'm still blessed. But I just, I didn't want to do that for another 25, 30 years. Right. You know? Um, so, you know, I was providing for my family. UCLA, you know, has those that do know had great benefits mm-hmm. so i couldn't complain you know i was good mm-hmm. um but i said man let me go back to school you know i went back to uh, santa monica junior college took a broadcasting class and uh happened to uh we were doing a, ca- a class project mm-hmm. in the broadcasting class and i happened to meet larry brown oh larry, larry brown, brown from larry brown sports yes yeah. yes and uh, we're doing a project together we're talking he's like yeah i'm interning at a I'm uh, working or interned at the time at Fox Sports Radio mm-hmm. in the Valley, this, this, and that. He was like, hey, man, you can, you can call this lady named Andy. I mean, uh, Annie, uh, <laughs> give her give her a call, you know. So he wrote it down on a piece of paper. I mean, that's how long ago. It was, <laughs> like 15 years ago. Right. So he wrote it down on a little scratch piece of paper. I took the number and then put it up in my top drawer for like six months. Mm. And so every day I would just come back to it and I would see this paper. Annie, you know, Annie Z with the number on there. And I just one day I was like, you know what? Let me give this lady a call. Gave her a call, man. And then uh, they gave me an opportunity to start interning. Yes. So I would say, man, this is not really, you know, I got into it by interning and just kind of going in, putting my head down and say, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I was still working full time at UCLA, but then I started interning. And, you know, I got in like 2005 before um, the economy crashed in 2008. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, when it, you know, you know the business. We're at the same company, man. 2005, to tell you, excuse my language, but they were just pissing out money. Yeah, you know they were, I mean? yeah. Uh, OnStar, Chevy, yep. uh, you know, yep. all these companies which is you know, just giving money, you know, which means, you know, gave the radio a, a thriving uh, uh, a pipeline, you know, to do what they wanted to do. Uh, so after three months of interning, they hired me part-time. Mm-hmm. So I did that, man, for a few years. And mm-hmm. I looked at it like, hey, you know, it was to, hey, can you work Saturdays and watch these games and, and edit the scores, yeah. and the highlights? And I'm thinking, heck, yeah, I can. All <laughs> I'm going to do is hang out at hang out at USC games anyway right. on Saturday. You know, so it's like, why not go up into the office at the studio on a Saturday, especially in the morning, you know, yep. and um, just highlight eight games. 
you know, including right. the SC game. Yep. So, so you already watching it, getting paid. Always, yeah, <laughs> yeah all, all, but I also always had that mind frame. It was like, it was a weekend. It didn't matter. It was an opportunity for me to uh, to be successful, you know. And at right. that point, I was like, I got to do whatever it takes in order to get full-time so I can leave that UCLA job, you know. Yeah. So, and the rest is history. Now look at you, man. Look at you. Yeah, the you know, history, Yeah, man. my man, Mike. Let me tell you, he and again, he's such a humble dude. You know, he went on to work with like JT the Brick. You know, went covered Super Bowls, covered you know NASCAR events, um, do action sports tour. He did it all. Whatever they asked of him, he did it. You know, the boxing matches, I was really jealous of because I used to do those a lot, and then he was doing them a lot. And I'm like, man, I wish I was there. You know, <laughs> but but I was right, fortunate right. enough to do it. You know, as well. And then you go on to work with like George Sedano and and Marcellus Wiley, and here you mm-hmm. are now. Rams Radio Network, executive producer, opinionated seven-footers, your producer of CBS Sports. What's that like, man, now that you look back on everything you've done, all the grinding, all the hard work, and now you're like at the pinnacle where a lot of people want to be. You get to you get paid to watch football for 16 weeks live. <laughs> I know, man. It's uh, I'm still pinching myself, you know, even yeah. though I've been through. They brought me on uh, – uh, right after their bye week. So, you know, I had the last eight games. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, man, still pinching myself. You know, because of the pandemic, things are a little bit uh, different yeah. right now yeah. uh, in this coming season for now, you know, for the foreseeable future. But, man, when they put me on last season, uh, I was like, wait a minute, what? I get to travel? <laughs> on a, no, I don't get to travel on a team plane. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute. You're giving me per DM? Yes, that's the best, man. When I, I go, those. you know, <laughs> and wait a minute. I hate, you know, we all love traveling, but sometimes we hate the headache of being there two hours before, uh-huh. going through security. Wait a, wait a minute, I get to pull up to a different part of LAX? Yes. Where the teams go, you know? <laughs> and the tarmac, and baby. Check in and t- and, yeah, take a little a shuttle <laughs> on a tarmac and, and just, oh, my God. Uh, and, and I'm on the player with the head. I'm on the plane with the head coaches, yeah. uh, with the head coach, and with the with the players and, and everything. And <laughs> wait, whoa! And wait a minute, we get to stay in five star hotels, yes. and I don't even have to go to the front to check in. Yes, they the, just get my car waiting on the table. It's waiting for you. Yes, <laughs> I, I said, man, I can't. I I'm still, you know, amazed <laughs> at how you know. I've always heard the story yeah. of how they, you know, run. But uh, I think I went to Pittsburgh. That was the first trip to Pittsburgh. So yeah. That was like being baptized. That was like being baptized, you know? Out of all places, you know, my first week with yeah, them was in Heinz Pittsburgh. Field. <laughs> and um, I remember going on that trip, man, and I spent a total of six bucks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everything else was taken care of. That's... And that was only because I wanted a little, you know, bagel and right. coffee and Starbucks. <laughs> you know? But... It's just been a it's been a heck of a, a ride, man. And, and my, to tell you the truth, my goal was to just come on and put my head down. Don't ask about next mm-hmm. season, which yes. is this season. Don't ask for you know. Just kind of let the work, uh, you know, uh, speak for itself. And then when it's over with, start go back to the table and you know go from there. So that was my main objective, man. Was to because it was it was my I've produced radios. I've you know yeah. I've produced help produce tv mm-hmm. things like that but i've never produced you know play by play and, yeah. and that was something different that different animal different and, 
it's a different animal, man. It is a different animal, you know. Yeah. You, you can't make any mistakes. No, you know? nope, uh, nope, you cannot. And, and, and see, you, you know, you're talking about that's taking me back to when I worked for the Dodgers, man. Now I miss it. Because <laughs> right. I, I used to love, like, not having to go into the airport. You know, you go on mm-hmm. on the bus into the tarmac. They, they wind you down. You get on the plane. Right. And it's not like regular food. They usually have, like, amazing food like you could ask for anything at any time you got a pocket full of right. per diem you get to the hotel oh my god. man oh my god yeah I, like crazy. I, I went to maui my first season with the dodgers off my per diem alone because i never spent oh, it <laughs> yeah that's, right. that's like the best part and, and this is what i love to hear now now for for my audience that listen to the podcast my man ty mike this guy is an american success story my man grew up in south central los angeles right He's, he mm-hmm. works hard, he grinds, he's done everything the right way. He always asks questions, which I loved when, when we finally would work together. You know, you, you would ask questions. And you, 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 you would ask anybody. You weren't like, you know, there's no pride with you. You are just like, I just want to learn how to do it right so I can do it. And we can get it done. And I right. always loved working with you for that reason. Like, you were always a go-getter. You weren't lazy. You loved what you did. You you honored and respected it, and you knew it just didn't come to you. You had to work for it, which is why many right. many a night, even after we were done working, you and I would just be sitting in the parking lot for two, three, four hours just talking about the game, you know, and you wanted to absorb as much information as you could, you know, I, and at the time, I was working, I was a vet, you know, doing a long-ass time, and here I am, 20 years, you got 15 under your belt. Like, man, life is good, man. Look at you. Look at us. Clippers, oh, Kings, and yep. the Rams are ran yep. by both of us. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It's uh, it's just crazy, man. Now, you know, I got a chance to uh, experience the new stadium, went yeah. over there last. How was that, by the way? Ago. How was that? Oh, man, still in shock. You know, <laughs> as far as uh, in, in amazed that what they have going on in Inglewood right now. And, you know, for to, in, in, until it's, you know, fully finished, you know, you still mm-hmm. have some time. Um, but it's uh, the stadium itself, it's, I can't, it's just amazing, man. The things that they've brought plants from all over the world, mm. and, you know, they got a lake there and uh, the stadium is humongous. And then, you know, NFL Network has their own, like, ship building, you know, like right. like a ship. <laughs> outside and then now they have this i think american airlines plaza wow. that probably i don't know if it'll be done on time for the first game mm-hmm. but you give it a couple of years the restaurants and then you have the casino there That's we were just right, talking yeah. about this uh with, with some co-workers uh the other day as far you know this is going to be like the new la live you yeah know, um which was downtown or you know or or inglewood when the form days even back then it didn't have all they had was the forum you know they had a little restaurant yeah throughout the ink city. Yeah, like a sizzler across but, the street on Century. <laughs> but yeah, nothing, yeah. Nothing nothing like this one stop pop of action and mm. entertainment uh that's coming to Inglewood. That's already here. So, you know, first game kicks off uh, against the uh Cowboys uh, uh, uh September thirteenth. Can't believe that's in two weeks, you know, know. less than two weeks. It's, it's crazy. Is, it's crazy, man. This is this is uh to be a part of that man is just it's amazing, you know. So, I'm 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 enjoying it and just enjoying the blessing. See, and that's that's what I love about you, man. You take nothing for granted. We're with my man Mike Pearson, executive producer of the Rams Radio Network and producer on Opinionated Seven Footers on CBS. Listen, man, I'd be remiss. I have you on. 
How do you think the Rams are going to do? I know there's been some changes, you know, with, with, with the players and whatnot. How do you think this team is going to fare this year? You know, it's, it's, it's kind of up in the air, man, because I think quarterback play is key. Right. Um, and I think linebacker, you know, the defense, things like that, of course, is key. Um, so, I, you know, I, the division isn't as tough. It is with the Niners, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You got Seattle that's always going to be there, you know. And then you even got the Cardinals that's going to be a little bit better now that they got uh, Hopkins, that receiver over there from the Texans. So it's going to be a tough division. You know, I know a lot of people have them, you know, last in their division. Uh, a lot of uh, experts, uh, things like that, even in, in their conference, have them down there low, you know. Um, so I, it's still up in the air to tell you the truth because their running game has to has to really work. And I think with the rookie uh, Acres, uh, I think that you know he'll be key. I know he's young and I know he's a rookie, mm-hmm. but to have a guy like that, you know, um, is going to be key because they need that explosiveness. They don't have Todd Gurley anymore, even when they had Gurley. His, his knees weren't, you know, the same as they were two or three years ago. Right. Um, so so it really limited them, and it put a lot of pressure on Jared Goff. And and now, you know, Jared Goff sometimes would have these uh, roller coaster games. Um, so he'll be. it's going to be key on the, you know, on the relationship between McVay and Jared Goff and, and the relationship between Jared Goff and his line, mm-hmm. you know, his offensive line, including his receivers. So, it's still up in the air for me. I, you know, I, I start to kind of figure it out maybe week two uh, to to start, you know, kind of taking my picks. Right. But, of course, I want them to do well. Of course, <laughs> yeah, it's good for business. <laughs> yep, yep. Absolutely. So <laughs> I got to say this, man. It's been a pleasure having you on the Big Brother Jake podcast. What we're going to do, because I'm going to have you on again. And the next time we're going to talk about this unreleased album we put together for you, man. What the hell? What the hell? People need to hear this. I, I know, man. I know. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I want to apologize to you right now on the podcast that you know. I had to put I, you uh, on blast for that. <laughs> no, nah, man. I left the rap game. You know, what it I was, know. Though, is, um, we were doing. You know, we were working together at Fox, and yeah. we had an available studio. We did a legit. We yeah. weren't even sneaking in there. You know, no, nope, no, nope. we, we did asked, everything the right know, way. They were, they were yep. Allowing, they were allowing us to use the equipment, yep. and we were taking advantage. And, you know, we were getting off at wee hours yeah. and then going upstairs to the studio, staying for another hour or two. Yep. Um, but uh, when I moved to uh, Houston, you know, yeah. that was the main thing, to build a resume. Yeah. I felt like I had to get out of L.A. and then tighten up the resume and then come back home to L.A. Absolutely. And get what I really, you know, what I felt I deserved or, you know, what was going to be better for me and the family or my, my career. Mm-hmm. But – when 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 I uh, left for Houston, it was like, hey, you can be an executive producer. You can be the number one guy. You're gonna manage the other producers. I was like, man, you have to do. I it. have no, I have no time for music. You know, like yeah, that, no, that, that was how dedicated I was <laughs> to uh, you know sports radio in my career. Was just like I didn't really have time to start making more music, and you know, I just I left it alone. It wasn't like um, a burden or anything. No, you know no. what I mean. And it wasn't a void, you know. No, just, no. That's when I knew it was time to kind of leave it alone. <laughs> I'm just giving you, know, you a hard I, time because those trucks oh, no, are fire. It was all good. <laughs> it was all good. I know because we, we was doing a lot of work. And when I moved, I was like, man, adios on the music. Oh, so yeah. I just, 
I just felt like I wasn't going to have enough time because of everything that I had on my plate. You of know? course, no, no, man. You know, I'm just kidding. And then when it, the, the desire didn't come back for years, I was like, oh, maybe I am done. Yeah. <laughs> That's know? how I feel, man. You know, I made seven instrumental albums. I'm like, you know, I'm good. I'm good. If, if people don't like yeah, it, yeah. too bad. That There it is. I have a catalog, so it's all right. good. But, you know, I just but give I, me a hard time, the, man. I still. I still got hooks, man. I got hooks. <laughs> I still got hooks in me, you know. Oh, don't worry. Send me some tracks. Send All right. Well, tracks, I man. got like, I'm sitting on like 500 instrumentals right now. Maybe one day. Right. <laughs> yeah. But yo, man. I'm, I, I still, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not too embarrassed to sing on the hook. Man. Uh, this guy. Nah, you're, you're never too embarrassed to do anything. You'll, you'll just no. do it. You'll just do it. And that's oh, what yeah. I love about you, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Tyler, man, it was it was a pleasure having you on the Big Brother Jake podcast, and you need to come back soon, man. You know, I'll be hitting you out through the season, you know, so we talk Rams football. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me on, Big Bro Jake. Uh, keep up the great work, bro. I'm proud of you. You've been doing a lot of stuff, especially lately, man. You've been <laughs> killing it. You know, you're just getting on different uh, platforms now. I'm trying, bro. <laughs> you, do your thing. Do your thing, man. It's inspirational, man. Keep it up. Appreciate that. Hello, everybody. You're listening to my daddy, Big Brother Jake. This is the Big Brother Jake broadcast. Bye, everybody. Whew, that was one one long ass show, but uh, it was fun. It was fun to catch up with a lot of the people I work with in the industry. Uh, it was a good time. I want to give a special thank you and shout out to my man Noah Eagle, play by play voice of the Los Angeles Clippers on radio. My man DJ Severe, the Dodgers official DJ. Uh, ABC7 in Los Angeles, Rob Fukuzaki, uh, sports director and sports anchor. Good guy. And my man Mike Pearson, executive producer of Rams Radio. Woo, what a day, what a show. I'm landing this plane right now because y'all probably be like, man, we can't take no more. Yeah, you can. And you're going to take more on Thursday. Man, action-packed show on Thursday for my music lovers. Stay tuned. We have the great Rodney O from Rodney O and Joe Cooley and Neb Love of the Five Footers. Work with Warren G and Rick James and a whole bunch of great stories. Lots coming up. So until then, I say to y'all, wait for it. Deuces! You're listening to the Big Brother Jake Podcast.